0: Hey guys, it's Jackson, and welcome back to another episode of Reality Talk with Jackson. And today, my special guest is Kara Alway from The Real Housewives of Toronto. Now, I am back, and I'm so excited to be back. Um, I took the month of May off to just to focus on some other things, but I'm back for the summer, and I have so many amazing guests lined up. But like I said, today, my special guest is Kara Alway, and she was on the Real Housewives of Toronto, which aired for one season in Canada on their network Slice, and it also aired in some other countries. I'm obviously in the United States; it did not air here technically, but you could watch it online and that kind of thing. Um, so, I really enjoyed watching the show. Um, and Kara, even though it, the show only lasted for one season, Kara definitely made a lasting impression. So I was so excited to um, have her on my podcast. And it's, she's not just a reality TV star. She is also an author. And she just released a novel, and it's called Most Hated. Um, it actually is about being on reality TV. Now, it's not a nonfiction book. Um, like I said, it's a fictional novel about being on reality, reality TV. And it's not really uh, even – it's kind of – she she took her own experience of being on The Housewives – and kind of used it to, um, do this book, but it's not based on anyone. It's not based on the ladies on the show. It's not really fully based on her experience either. So, um, but she kind of was able to use her experience to kind of, you know, help with this book. And basically, um, the book is about, um, they're putting together this housewives like show in New York about society and all of that. And it kind of, Delves into the lives of the different ladies that are going to be on the show, and also the producers behind the scenes and stuff like that. So it's it's definitely going to be a very juicy and interesting book, and I'm so excited to read it. You can get it on Amazon, you can get it at Barnes and Noble, you can also get it through some other retailers like Target, uh, Walmart, um, and your local bookstore. And if, they, if the bookstore doesn't have it, you can always uh, ask them to order it. So um, definitely go support Kara and. Um, you know, this amazing new book. But anyway, without further ado, here is my interview with Kara Alway from The Real Housewives of Toronto. I hope you guys enjoy.
1: How are you? I'm good. Can you hear me? Am I good? Yes, I can hear you perfectly. Good, 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 good. Yeah, So funny. I have to tell you something funny that happened. Um, So I had a press event for the book the other day, and just in case they didn't have the right lighting for the step and repeat, my son brought an extra light that I usually use for my podcast, which Uh was very nice of him, but he left it in the front hall. So I came down here to do this in my little studio, and then I was like, oh, I'm in the dark. But it's all good, because my other son works at home, and he went, mom, I gotcha. (laughs) Let there be light. Yeah. Well, yes, you look great. And you have your um, you have your background with your book and everything. Yes, my whole I have my whole little studio down here. It's really nice. I come down here, and people know. The other day, I was doing. I love podcasts. The oh. other day, I was doing something live for a TV station, and it was recording on the West Coast. So I was recording it at eight o'clock at night, and. My husband came home. I said, I need one of those on-air flashing lights because my husband came home and went, honey, I'm home. Oh <laughs> my like, gosh. Oh, there's my little dog. You get all the, you get all the effects here. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: well, I'm so excited to chat with you today. And I'm so excited about your book um, that I just found out about recently. And I was so excited because not a lot of people get to, uh, I love any kind of reality TV novel or book. So I was like, oh, my gosh, I am so excited.
1: Do you, have you read um The Favorite Sister, Jessica Knowles? I haven't. What is it about? I'm read mine first. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's about reality television. But the difference is I think she's an incredibly gifted author. She wrote Luckiest Girl Alive. Uh-huh. Luckiest Girl Alive. Luckiest Girl Alive. Um, That they made into the movie and everything. I think she's amazing. She wrote for Self Magazine and many other magazines. Like, excellent, excellent writer. But the difference is, I've lived it, right? So that's a little different.
0: Yes, yes, that is, yeah. Because I think um, I've read a few different novels about reality TV, and I don't think they've lived it. Um, so you've obviously lived it. So it's um, from personal experience. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I want to. I want to talk about the book, but I want to talk about your experience on the show as well. Now. Of Um, I'm in the U S so when it came out a few years ago, I didn't watch the show. I've watched it recently online. Um, so that's kind of how, um, I found out about the show, but I kind of want to get your take on. So how did you end up
1: getting on the Real Housewives of Toronto? Great question. A little bit of a convoluted story. I'll start at point A and I'll take you through to point F. (laughs) Um, I had had a relationship with the production company before I have been a lifelong storyteller and I was involved in a lot of charity events and I was also a fan at the same time of million dollar listing. And I thought, you know, a lot of the stuff that I witness at charity events with the event planners and and the organic conflict and everything that happens, you know, you in Toronto, you put a red carpet out in March And we have a freak freeze and that red carpet turns into a slip and slide. So you have these elegant ladies coming down the red carpet. (laughs) So there's lots of stuff like that that happens. And then don't even get me started on the the table placements and and the whole politics of that. Like you need the whiteboard with the marker. She can't sit near her because she was married to her. And then he's over here and all of that. So I thought this would be great reality television content. So I connected with the production company that was the production company that ended up doing Housewives in Toronto. And I said, you know, I have this great idea for a show at the time I was calling it sweet charity. And I said, I think it would be neat and all this stuff. And and they actually said, you know, oh, that is an interesting idea. OK. And, you know, leave it with us. Let it marinate with us. And they did uh, Housewives of Vancouver. And then, you know, nothing was happening with my show. And I sort of was raising kids anyway, so I wasn't really paying attention. They circled back to me and they said, look, we're going to be doing. Nobody ever calls it housewives when they say they're doing it. And we're going to be doing a show about women in Toronto. It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I got the email and it's the one standard email that goes out to everyone. So I knew it was housewives. And they said, we think that you should use this show. You should be on it and your brand can be charity. And then you can use this as your platform for a spinoff in the same way Lisa Vanderpump did with Vanderpump Rules, right? She was on housewives and then she be get Vanderpump Rules from that. And at the time I remember thinking, but wait, I don't want to be on a show. I want to produce the show, but okay. If that's what it takes, you know, whatever it takes. Sure. So I, back and forth, back and forth. But I finally said, yeah, you know what? I Thanks. I will. I'll do it. So that's how I got to become on the show. And then that also is how really when people say, well, why did you bring so much drama? That's why, because I was on this show, like thinking in my head, this show has to be great. The drama has to be off the charts so that somebody wants to do a spinoff. Cause if the show's dead in the water, people are going to go, you know, season one, adios amigo, which kind of happened, um, but not for lack of effort on my part.
0: Right. No, for sure. Um, now, did you watch the Vancouver housewives?
1: I did. Uh huh. And what did you think of that show? See, I think that there is a middle ground for drama, not too little not too much, just right. And I think, well, I mean, you know, this is just me speaking as a audience member and a little bit as a producer. I think the problem with Vancouver was it was too manufactured as opposed to augmented, you know, the, the big difference there, right? You can augment drama or you can manufacture it. And I think that it was too manufactured and I think it was too much. It got to the point where it was uncomfortable to watch. You want to be entertained but you don't want to see someone get beat up. I mean, nobody wants to witness that. So my my idea is the Best Housewives franchise are the ones where you see these women who are sort of past raising kids. You know, they're they're a little bit older than that. And they're acting goofy. Because mm-hmm. what I think that the appeal in that is, especially for, you know, say young people, it's sort of like you look at that and you go, you know, life doesn't have to be over. All the goofiness doesn't end after college or university or you know, wherever you find yourself. Later in life, there's still goofiness to be had. So I think that that is a special touchstone in, in the franchise, that the, the housewives franchise that capture that do well. And of course, you, you want to have the drama. I mean, good reality television has to be relatable. Mhm. And it also has to be a little aspirational. It's it's the mix there, right? You want chasing chickens, but you don't want it ridiculous. So right. <laughs> that's the secret sauce, finding that balance.
0: Yes, no, for sure. Um now, which of the housewives franchise in the US, which one do you like the best?
1: I like a lot of them. Uh I like the the revamped Miami a lot. I really like Salt Lake City, especially last season. I thought Shed Media did a phenomenal job with that. You know the way they juxtaposed some of the dialogue from season one with the action from the current season was genius. I think Shed Media is amazing. I love Beverly Hills. I think Alex Baskin just absolutely incredible what he does with Evolution and Thirty Two Flavors. I think that's so good. I, I also actually have really got into watching Atlanta lately. I really like that. It's kind of like a little but yes. it's, it's entertaining. Again, I like to be entertained. I'm just like the next person. So I really, I like that one too.
0: Yes. Now, so you, since you were obviously a fan and you really came into the housewives of Toronto, obviously you wanted to entertain people. Um, now with the other ladies on the show, I know, I think I, you, so you kind of knew Roxy, right? A little bit like an, an- so fun
1: fact, I actually cast her on the show. The, the production company came to me and they didn't quite have the whole cast. And they said, who else do you know? And I had been working with them along, you know, as the, as sometimes I think production companies will do saying, you know, who else do you know? Because they they there is supposed to be a semi-organic relationship there between the women. So they were saying to me, oh, who else do you know? And I was suggesting all of my girlfriends. But either when they came to seeing what was involved in doing the show, my girlfriends were like, not for me. Thanks, which I 100% respect. Or maybe some of the individuals I introduced didn't have TVQ. So production came to me and said, like, who else? Who else? And at the time, like, I would not describe her as a traditional housewife. And I said, you know, I do know this one person through a friend of a friend. And I think she has good or might be good TVQ. I think she might, you know, the filter is somewhat loose. I think it, it might work. Not a traditional housewife, but may I suggest this person? And I did and the rest is history <laughs> right
0: <laughs> yes um and then the other ladies I know you didn't know any of them
1: correct I I didn't and it's interesting I didn't even know them from the social landscape in Toronto or the charity landscape or anything like that I had never met them before yes
0: um and then uh I know and I know you've talked about this publicly in other interviews but obviously they really um and I don't know if it's a they did not really. I know some of them were obviously friends before, um, and they just did not have quite what it takes to to do a housewife show. Um, you know, so when you first met these ladies, and obviously they weren't, it wasn't going the way that you probably thought it would. What What did you? What were you thinking in your head? Did you just think I have to just bring the drama and if I'm the villain, so be it? Or what were you thinking, especially at that first? Uh first all-cast event, what was going through your head?
1: <laughs> exactly. You, you must be a mind reader, exactly that. I can remember thinking there were a couple times in the first event where you know they had us sitting on a sofa and talking, and, and there was a lot of, oh, do you know this decorator? Do you know this? And I was like, oh no, no. We're not gonna be talking about who knows what decorator, ladies. This is not <laughs> this is not the show. Have you watched the show? So yes, that first night it was very evident to me. And again, as I said, I was there in my head thinking like a producer, thinking, oh, this has to be, we have to have more. We we need more here. Like, what are, what are we doing? So yeah, I, I absolutely sort of, I, I don't think I would have said I'm going to be the villain, but I definitely said to myself, if someone is going to be unfiltered, if someone is going to speak up, might as well be me if nobody else is doing it. But right. they were, you know, when I first met them, I, you know, as as in any situation when you meet someone new, I was, you know, sort of trying to get to know them, and I asked them a lot of questions about what they did for holidays, you know, where they lived, trying to find common ground. Um, I remember one of them, I think, taught uh, a yoga, and so I was trying to say like, oh, well, my husband, and I used to do yoga on a date night. Like, I was pulling, like, trying to go, where are we going to have common ground here, guys? Because we got to find something, right. So, it was it was a tough night. That first night was tough. I remember I came home <laughs> after that first night. I was the first to leave. And I was really quiet in the limousine on the way home. And I got to my house and so my husband was asleep and he sort of said like, hey, how'd it go, honey? And I went, wake up. <laughs> and he said, what? And I said, wake up, wake up, wake up. We have a big problem. <laughs> and He was like, wait, what's the problem? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs>
0: And then I know even at the first event, um, you and obviously Roxy kind of turned on you in a way and she went with the other ladies uh, and you were kind of off in an island.
1: Um, so where were you, Jackson? Why weren't you there? I just you know, right, <laughs> where right. was anybody? I've had so many nice interviews with people saying, I felt bad seeing you like all out there by yourself. And I was like, You felt bad. I felt bad. I was like, Where I... was anybody? Yeah, that was awkward. I think that um she was very nervous and I think. Again, the 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 bones of the show is not always necessarily to fit in and to, you know, go with the group. And let me tell you something. I've said this before, I you know, that you do a psychiatric evaluation, not for every franchise, but definitely for Toronto. We we underwent a psychiatric evalu- evaluation before the show started. And it was explained to us that this was to help us so we could handle any la- flashback and lashback from social media, all of that stuff, not flashback, flashback. After the show wrapped, I asked if I could see mine. I said, can I see my assessment, not from production, but from the actual corporation that had done it? They, they do it for a lot of you know big companies for to help with their human resources and stuff. And, and they were great. They said, of course you can. So they sent it to me and I read it. And the first line said, Kara Alloway has a very high emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. And I sort of, when I read that went, okay, I get it. Because I had had the opportunity to sit in on a how to cast reality television session with the gentleman from Boone and Murray, Jonathan Murray, mm-hmm. and in my little off-brand moleskin, when I was taking those notes, the first thing he said is, "When you're casting a villain, they must have a very high emotional intelligence." <laughs> so I remembered, ding, ding, ding. Wait a second. So when I saw that, I put two and two together, and I sort of said, "Okay." So from the get-go, I mean, I anyone that knows me knows I am an independent thinker. I do have a loose filter. I'm not. A mean or cruel person, but you know, I tend to say what I think. And my family knows that more than ever, because sometimes my kids are like, Mom, where's the filter? You can't necessarily say that, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am what I am. Right.
0: No. And that makes good. um Obviously it makes good TV that you don't have a filter too. Um And you were very open on the show. And um now is this, and I haven't been to Canada, but were the other ladies, I know obviously Canada is known for being a very nice place is that do you think that's why the show didn't end up working because they were too nice to each other or was it a multitude of reasons or
1: what what are your thoughts I think it was a multiple multitude of reasons um another good question because mm-hmm. if I had to break it down and sort of do the the autopsy on the show what happened well first of all casting three very close friends mm-hmm. a death wish for a reality show I mean you you can't cast three people who are always gonna have each other's back so that became one character as opposed to three characters because there was not going to be any disruption between that friend group. So that was problematic. Um, Just in the sense that I think it really limited production in what they could film. Mm -hmm. There was that. The other thing is, you know, I love my country so much and I, I absolutely love Canadians. Brandy Glanville said, oh, Canadians are like Americans, only they're nicer. And I sort of went, yeah, okay. I can remember hearing someone say, Canadians are like the sun in winter they shine but there's not a lot of warmth I love Canadians and I love my country and I don't think that's true for everyone but I do think that there is a cliche oh Canadians are so nice I think we tend to be a little more guarded and maybe that's from our British ancestry and our connection to London and whatnot but I think that we are a little more guarded so whereas American skeletons might be in their closet but they're in the front view. We have skeletons in our closet, but we keep them way in the back <laughs> in mm. shoeboxes. Uh-huh. So you think
0: a lot of the ladies they really didn't want to open up to and show, yeah. And you have No, to, and obviously. maybe
1: maybe in all honesty, they weren't familiar with the mechanics of the show. Maybe they hadn't seen the show like any of the franchise before and they didn't really understand how it works. I did get a phone call from one of them halfway through production that said, "Okay, I I get it. The producers want drama, but I I don't like this kind of drama. So I'm going to talk about some stuff that's going on with me and some of my girlfriends. Well, that doesn't work. You can only talk about what was happening on camera, right? Because nobody cares about, and I don't mean this in a cruel way, but nobody cares about, you know, your cat that they've never seen or something like that. The, The viewer needs to be able to see it. And that is another golden rule of reality television. If it doesn't happen on camera, it doesn't happen and it doesn't come into play. And I think that was also hard for some of the cast to grasp. Case in point, like, you know how sometimes you will see them uh, on the other franchise and they're on their phone and someone's like, oh, she's inviting me or they're like, yes, can I come to this event and whatnot? That's because every invitation must be on camera. If it doesn't happen on camera, it doesn't happen.
0: Right. Yes, no, for sure. Um, Now, um, with the other ladies, During the production, um, you know, of the show, were were you talking to them at all about kind of uh, how you were feeling at all? Because obviously, you had to deal with the brunt of the drama. Um, Did they realize what was going on at all during it, and realize like you were, you know, you were really there just to amp things up? Or, I mean, obviously, I know you. Do you talk to any of them still? Like, how was it during the show? Are there hard feelings or?
1: it was pretty rotten i was definitely alone for the whole show i had i mean i kept thinking who would ever sit beside me on the reunion sofa <laughs> i don't know um no i was definitely as you said on an island i was by myself no nobody was talking to me nobody was reaching out and corresponding to me there there wasn't that i did reach out to a couple of them because you know there were some there there were some incidents that i felt bad for them and i was thinking you know let me help them out for example you know I was I I think there was problematic casting and and I want to be kind when I say this so for example I was having this trunk show at my house for the dresses so I sent an email to two of the participants and I said look I'm having a trunk show at my house I've purchased five of this designer's dresses already I'm going to have two of the dresses on a rack over here so when you come I'm going to direct you to this rack and say oh we should try one of these on Try one of these dresses on, it'll fit you. And then you can you know, say, well, I'm thinking of purchasing it, but you don't need to worry because it's my dress. I've already purchased it. Like, so there's not going to be any you know, putting you in a position that you wouldn't be able to fulfill or anything like that. So how that was turned, which this is the sort of part that made me go, oh, this is so difficult. The narrative of that became, I went to her home and she directed me to the sale rack. I was so insulted. And I was standing there with my jaw open going, I sent you an email saying, I don't want to put you in an awkward position because I know these dresses might not be in your snack bracket. and I'm trying to help you out. So, you know, no good deed goes unpublished, whatever. It, it was challenging. Again, I come back to you. I don't think the other ladies were familiar with the franchise and I don't think they understood the assignment. So I, I feel bad for them. Do I talk to them now? No. Again, Our lives didn't intersect before the show. And, you know, Toronto's a big city. We're the third largest city in North America. I think the greater Toronto area population is pretty high up there. So our lives have literally never intersected. I did run into one of them um, at a charity event. Lovely. She was lovely. It was nice to see her. And I said, genuinely, no, it's nice to see you. We took a picture together and I think I posted it and said, you know, kiss and makeup or something like that. Like no hard feelings at all. It's just. We had nothing in common. Our lives didn't intersect. So it was awkward. And, you know, I was sitting there, (laughs) let our lives intersect in some way, ladies, we got to, you know, get together here.
0: Right, right. And then I know, and I know you talked about this publicly, that you did have a lot of online hate when the show um, aired. Yes. So how was going through that? Did you expect it? Did you because um, you obviously know reality TV pretty well and you know a lot of reality stars. So did you kind of go into it expecting it or what What was going through your head when that happened?
1: So no, <laughs> the short answer to that is no, I did not anticipate that. I um, had known Kyle Richards for you know 20 plus years, Kyle Yamansky, sorry, I still call her Kyle Richards. Uh, for 20 plus years, Kathy hadn't done um, Housewives yet. So she wasn't able to sort of forewarn me And Kyle, I think at the time was doing The Apprentice because I remember I didn't have a chance to speak with her very much while I was filming. And I knew from her filming, she had talked about the anxiety, but I assumed that was just from filming. I didn't really get that that was going to happen after. Did I anticipate this? Not at all. Honestly and truthfully, I went into this thinking, I'm going to show my best life. I'm going to share my husband. I'm going to share my kids. It's going to be fun. Of course, I'll bring some drama. But at the end, we'll all hold hands and sing Kumbaya and it'll be great. Everyone will be entertained and happy. And then the show ended and then I started to get, you know, the, the horrible, horrible feedback on social media. I mean, there was some that was like, oh, you're so bad and things like that. But then there was others that was like, your husband will leave you, your children will get terrible illnesses and you'll be like, yeah, it was, there was a lot that was really brutal. And then, you know, there was people, you know, looking, looking for trouble and, you know, trying to stir stuff up that I sort of ignored. But it's funny because I took a trip to LA right when the show was, when the show was airing and it was around some of the last episodes and I had dinner with Kyle and my phone was going, bing, bing. She's like, what's that? And I said, oh, it's my Instagram alerts. And she said, are you crazy? You, you turn that off. You don't have them coming in in real time. First of all, and I was like, oh, you don't, aren't you supposed to respond to them? And she was like, no, you don't respond like that. And you certainly don't have them coming in in real time. And then funnily enough, Lisa Rena was at the same, it was a sushi restaurant and Lisa Rena was having dinner So we stopped. We were talking to her. I had only met her like once or twice at social functions. I did not know her at all. And Kyle said, Oh, Kara was just on housewives. And I was telling her, you know, she's got to turn off her Instagram alerts. And Lisa was like, Oh, yeah, you definitely have to You can't have that coming in in real time. And she said, How'd you like it? How was your experience? And I said, you know, excuse my French, but I said, I was the asshole. And she went, Oh, she goes, No, no, you were the lightning rod. Okay, you were the lightning rod. So I get it. She was like, just write it. Just write it out. Don't take any of it personally. So I wasn't expecting it. It was brutal. I took it really personally because I went into this show as a serial pleaser, probably the worst dynamic for someone to go into the show. I don't know why they, why didn't they catch that in the psychiatric evaluation? I don't know. But, you know, literally what I learned through doing the show and through the arc of the show was so beneficial, which is you can say you're a pleaser and you can convince yourself, I just want everyone to be happy. And that's why I'm a pleaser. But if mm-hmm. you look at it a little deeper, there's a lot of vanity tied in with being a pleaser, because at the end of the day, you want everybody to like you. So I learned that really tough lesson through the show, such an invaluable lesson for myself to learn. And you know, now I sort of look at it like, okay, you, you look at the whole population, there's going to be people that are going to like you, and there's going to be people that aren't going to like you. And you can't do anything about the people that aren't going to like you. So why are you worrying about that? Move on and enjoy your life and live your best life. And I share that with you know my children very much, so I'm like, "Look, cereal pleaser here. Let me explain to you what's going on." Right. Stop tap dancing. Yes, no, of
0: course, of course. Um, and then when the show ended, were you relieved? Were you sad? How did you feel when it didn't get to come back for another season?
1: At the time, I was very relieved. <laughs> uh-huh. it was, it was good news for me because I didn't, I, I definitely didn't know that I had any more left in me. I was pretty beat up. Um And when it ended, I was, I was in a really bad place. Like I was in a really dark place because, you know, this is happening for entertainment on television, but you're also living these scenes. I mean, it's not, people always say to me, is it scripted? It's not scripted. At least my part wasn't scripted. So I was, I was really, you know, sort of feeling the feelings and, and licking the wounds and sort of going, why did they decide like to hate on me? Why was this, you know, hop on pop narrative? So that was pretty brutal. And uh, I needed to take some time, which I did, <laughs> I was able to take some time, I read a great book, uh, Phyllis, Dr. Phyllis Chesler's Woman's Inhumanity to Woman, that really helped to put things in perspective and explain to me why a lot of what happened, happened. It's such a good book. And it talks about the eight year olds in the playground, and the hierarchy and the independent thinkers, and the the, the ones that are, you know, the independent thinkers will be ostracized. And how do little girls ostracize them? Shunning, gossip, slandering. You know, you if you don't go with the status quo in the playground at age eight, you get booted out and punished. And it kind of continues into adulthood. Mm-hmm. Dr. Phyllis Chessler wrote this great book that talks about that. And I've really gravitated towards that and said, you know what? The sisterhood has to make some changes in how we raise little girls. And, and first we need to start with like making gossip like a bad word, which we've been successful in doing with other words within the English language and other habits and things like that. We've we've been able to say that's toxic. Don't participate in that to the children. And I think that's where we really need to start.
0: Yeah, no, of course. That makes sense. Um, now, what happened? Is there any update with your reality show that you really wanted to do before the show? Have you,
1: are you still working on that? Do you still want to do something like that or... So yes, I I had such a happy ending when the show wrapped a couple months later, um, I went to Los Angeles, I signed with an agent that represented me as a producer, because I had pitched this reality show to him. And he said, this is great. And he said, yeah, I'll represent you. And we'll go out, we'll pitch it. So we went out, we pitched it to production companies. I got optioned by one production company, I signed a deal with them. We did the sizzle reel, it was, um, is called Dallas planners club. And because Dallas is the fundraising capital of the world. So we decided, let's target Dallas and let's make that like where, you know, we're going to start and if we want to franchise from there. And we did the sizzle. It's a lot of fun. It's actually yeah. on my website. Ooh. You can watch the sizzle. It's fun. And then COVID hit, which yeah. was like such a bad timing and disaster because, you know, you're doing the show about events and charity planners and whatnot. So It's still optioned by a production company, but it was on hold. So we are picking up and going back out, and selling again. And I understand that there's a writer's strike. So maybe people are going to be looking for more reality content. But then after, while we were still selling that, you know, the way the business works, it's a lot of wheels in motion at the same time. You're only as good as your last pitch. So my agent said to me, do we have any other shows that we want to be pitching at the same time? And the production company was interested. And I said, yeah, actually, I have another idea for a show, which I shared. And they said, all right, let's go. So we went and shot that sizzle reel too. Unfortunately, it was also about travel and food. So I was not batting a thousand with COVID and the travel restrictions and restaurants closing and things like that. But there is hope for the future, so.
0: Yeah, so I'm excited for that. And it, the planning show sounds great. So I'm excited. Um, and yeah, I think you definitely, and obviously after you did a show, um, you have a lot, you know, you have firsthand experience. So that helps a lot. Um, now, I obviously, so on these shows, you you wouldn't be on camera, you would be behind the scenes only. Yes. <laughs> Correct.
1: Producing. Uh-huh. Well behind the camera. Yes. And also looking after my cast and and letting them know. Because you know, when we were doing the Dallas Planners one, the cast was a little worried because they're professionals. These are professional event planners with reputations. And they came to me and said, Are you gonna have our backs? And I said, Listen, guys, we're not doing the bachelor here. Okay. Like I'm not selling you down the river because I only need you for one season. I the, the best reality shows come back and start making real money on the second season and the third season. So I need you guys back. I'm on your side every bit as much as you're on my side. Here's what I'm looking for. Which when I was explaining this and having these conversations with my cast, I can remember thinking, heavy sigh, if only my production company had right. come to me and said, this is what we need to do here, guys, team meeting, but that wasn't happening.
0: Right. No, of course. Of course. No, I understand. Um, But yes, that that uh, your first day experience would be is good with that. Um, I'm sure the cast uh, feels comfortable because you you lived it. Um, Now, would you ever want to do another reality show where you're on camera at all or no? You're kind of done with that.
1: (laughs) No, actually, no, that's not true. For a while, I said, no, I'm done with reality television. But then I actually became. I educa- actually i became educated and i understood the difference and and the key is who is producing it if mm. it's a company like 32 flavors if it's a company like shed media like truly original like evolution absolutely but you just have to be careful who it is you trust with your edit
0: mm-hmm. right and then i know the production company that did your show they did the vancouver housewives what other shows do they produce um I don't know. You don't know?
1: You don't know? Yeah. Because <laughs> no I didn't question. know either. I so <laughs> know. I, I, no, I don't know. I don't know. I think they did. I want to say that they did the Bachelorette Canada, I think. Oh, okay.
0: Okay. So it's a little bit different than Housewives. So yeah. Um, okay. Yes. Very different from Housewives. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Because I couldn't remember. I know I've talked to a while ago. I talked to one of the B- Vancouver Housewives. Um, so I couldn't, and I couldn't remember what they had said about The production company but um because i they're not it's not an american company so i didn't know Uh no yes so they probably didn't have the quite the experience that obviously the ones here do so exactly yes um now going into um you know so you obviously know a lot of the housewives here in the u.s obviously you've known kyle for a long time you know kathy hilton um and then i know you know me and Balken very well um what other housewives do you know uh,
1: and that, that you've gotten to know i got to know vicky gunvalson last summer she is absolutely lovely she's so lovely and we were out to dinner at a restaurant and she like took her nap and said come on girls we gotta whoop it up i was like oh, yes. oh my gosh, i live <laughs> i live for those kind of moments uh-huh. uh, i also got to know jill zarin very well from her fundraising she's lovely and her daughter Allie they are absolutely wonderful the, Jill does a fundraiser every summer to support the thyroid cancer um, charity that she contributes to that she started after well she started contributing to after um, Bobby got sick with thyroid cancer so she does a fundraiser that I attend I try to attend every summer I haven't made it every summer but actually that's how I met Leanne and Vicki was through that that fundraising event so I know Jill from that really well. Uh, lovely, lovely woman. I'm trying to think what other housewives have I met? Uh, Lisa Rina, I have met. I mean, I I don't. She's an acquaintance. Um, I met her through events at Kathy's house. I've met Sutton. She did an event in Toronto, but I had also met her at Paris's shower. Um, who else have I met? I I've, I've had dinner with Kathy and Garcelle and um, Crystal again. Oh. Lovely lovely ladies i think that's about it yeah oh camille i've met camille too oh
0: good
1: yes now
0: obviously since you've known kathy for a long time and then she came on housewives um and obviously a lot of fans love her um you know is that the kathy that you know and love as well the very comedic and funny moments that people really
1: now are iconic you know they quote her Lines um, and everything. Absolutely, <laughs> yes, absolutely. My my son is in a chat group actually. I think and it's called Homeless and Toothless. <laughs> like, oh my gosh! Uh-huh. But um, yeah, that is the Kathy. And I always would say to people, "Oh, my friend Kathy Elton, she's so funny." And I can remember people going, "Really?" Because I I don't think of her in that right. way. Isn't that interesting? And I was like, "Oh, well, you know, everybody has. I mean, everybody. I'm you 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 probably have your persona." that you put out there when you're being professional and then you have your real persona. So what everybody got to see that they fell in love with was Kathy took the curtain down and said, okay, here's a peek at who I really am. And she is just that she's a prankster. She's funny. She's a little bit self deprecating. She loves to laugh. She absolutely loves to laugh Uh and uh, she's always a good time. Yes.
0: Well, yes. uh, And I I love watching her on the show. It's so fun. Um, and, and on social media too. It's fun. <laughs> yeah.
1: She is an, again, she's an independent thinker and she's so unfiltered, but that's what we love. People love that. They don't need to see artifice. If you want to see artifice, you can go out to a restaurant and see women clutching their pearls and you know, cutting right. their food. Kathy is the real deal. And she's like, here I am. Love me or leave me. <laughs> yes,
0: for sure. Um, now let's get into your book. So tell me, what is it about kind of a brief uh, synopsis. So um, yeah. so
1: it's it's not a biography and it, it's not an autobiography and it is not a calculated tell-all. So it is a novel. It's 100% fiction and it deals with six women who sign up to participate in a reality television show called Talk of the Town. And this is a show that's been around for a while, but the producers have decided they're going to do a revamp of the show and they bring in a um, Quentin Tarantino-type bad boy director to direct the show. So this gets a lot of people that might not ordinarily do reality television sort of intrigued and interested. And there is a woman who is a Park Avenue princess who became an actress briefly before she met... Uh, British aristocrat, for lack of a better word, and uh, went to England and was married there with him. But then he was involved in a Me Too scandal. So she divorced him. And now she finds herself back in America. And she's dealing with a lot of the fallout from that and a lot of the judgment from the public. So she sort of thinks like, I need to reinvent myself. So her cousin says, I think you should do this show. It's a kick-ass director. Maybe it can reboot your acting career and I'm going to do it and we'll have fun together. And so, you know, this this woman, Sabrina, sort of says, well, maybe I should do this. She's not 100% convinced, but she sort of does it anyway, because why not? There's the wife of a sports superstar who is doing it because she's ready to step off the sidelines and sort of find her own spotlight. There's a social media influencer who is doing it for, why wouldn't a social media influencer do it? <laughs> there is a former teen pop star who's doing it to try and like give her career a little boost and... The, the kick it needs. And uh, there is the CEO of a sex toy company. I love her, Mariana. And um, she's doing it to promote her goods, but also because Mariana likes a good time. So <laughs> it's very interesting. So all of these women come together with different reasons for doing the show. They all want to change their lives to some capacity. And throughout the narrative of the novel, we see how their lives are changed, why they did it, and and specifically how they interact with each other. And I, you know, somebody said to me, why did you always want to write about girls? Well, I come from a family of all girls. We have mainly all girl cousins. I went to an all girl school. So I always knew I would write a book about all girls. I just didn't know what the backdrop would be. And after I did Toronto Housewives, I said, of course, why not write about all girls on the backdrop of a reality television show? So I give a little peek behind the curtain of some of the things that the viewer might not know or might not consider about reality TV, just like what I was saying earlier about, you know, when you're invited on the phone, there's a reason for that, because if it doesn't happen on camera, it doesn't happen. Um, And then another character in the book is this talent producer, Zoe, who is along for the ride here because she wants to hitch her wagon to this director, hoping he will take her on to his next project. And so she is out, to make this show great at all costs. And she will stop at nothing. And she's a little unhinged. She's not the standard reality television show producer. So she is there, make it or break it. And um, I just, I think it's very interesting the way the women interact. And I think that the public is very fascinated with watching women interact with one another. And I, I, I go back and quote things, you know, I think of the Meghan Markle versus Kate, how everybody stops to watch those two interact when Selena Gomez was having issues with Hailey Bieber, everybody was interested in that. People like to see women relating to other women, specifically women like to watch that because I think we're very relational creatures and we want to know that we all wrestle with the same issues. But the world in general likes to watch women relating with other women. I mean, everybody was tuning in to Vanderpump Rules to see what Raquel was going to, how she was going to deal with every female member of that cast that was coming after her on Ariana's behalf. So I think that, I think I've done a good job in capturing that relational aspect of female friendships. Mm -hmm. For
0: sure. And actually, I I forgot to mention, so you are a writer um, because I think you went to
1: school for writing, correct? I did. I, and I worked at several fashion and beauty magazines after I graduated. So yes, I do have a writing background. I always knew I was going to write a novel. I mean, my husband can tell you, I was always like, my great novel about female friendships, but I just didn't really have the bones of it. And then, you know, I I sort of, I cast it the way who I would want to see on a reality television show. So I literally cast my book. That's why I say there's no characters in here that are similar to any housewives past Mm -hmm. or present. There's no, you know, somebody said to me, well, who's this in your novel? And who's this person, you know, in your novel? Who are they supposed to be? And I said, no, 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 they're they're not. You know, the the characterization at the most was informed by a lot of the emotions and the feelings that I experienced as a participant on reality television, but that's where it begins and ends.
0: Yes, no, of course, yes. Uh, and yeah, I can kind of tell by your characterization that you mentioned about the, that it, yeah, they're not similar to really any, it's not like you're, um, it's not like you're you're basing them off of like, oh, this housewife, that kind of thing. So no, no. I completely get it. Um, now, where can people get this book? What- so
1: it's available on Amazon worldwide. Um, it's available at Barnes and Noble, as well as some Barnes and Noble bricks and mortar stores. So you can walk in there and independent bookstores across North America. So you know, I love independent bookstores. Go to your little independent bookstore and say, "Do you have Most Hated?" And if they don't have it, say, "Can you order it?" In? Because we really need to support those indie bookstores. And people can also there's some signed copies that are available for sale through uh, Talkshop Live. Oh, if you go to Talkshop Live, they have a couple signed copies that uh, I signed and they're selling, which is kind of fun. And Talkshop Live is such a great platform. I really love them.
0: Oh, perfect. That's so exciting. <laughs> now, do you want to write any other, if this, uh, would you want to write um, like a another novel? And do you want to make this like a series or, you know, is that your plan or what do you plan for this?
1: <laughs> so I already have started work on a prequel. Everybody's saying, is there going to be a sequel? And I'm like, no, I think there might be a prequel because I think people will fall in love with these characters. And they'll want to know a little bit more about what makes them tick and where they come from and whatnot. So I thought rather than going ahead, why not take it back? and see what happened to them before cuz i i love a good prequel right after i read a book i love oh a prequel like when they did the the sex in the city with the younger people i thought that was really interesting i really like that yes yes thank i could so talk much. to you forever you're such a great you're you really are good at putting people at ease and look at how much i talked like the gift of gab good grief. <laughs> <laughs> thank
0: you thank you i enjoy it yes well um thank you so much for chatting with me uh and talking about your book i'm so excited i i'm going to get it and I'm so excited. Please,
1: pre-orders are everything. So please order it, pre-order it. There's a little bit of a lag right now when you order on Amazon US, which is why I'm shouting out to TalkShop. Because if you order from TalkShop, you get it right away. But for Amazon, for some reason, even though it releases May 30th, it's not showing as delivering until June 16th. So order Uh, it from TalkShop. I know, that's what I said too. (laughs) I went, oh, I hate that. Because when I order something from Amazon, I need it in my house that afternoon. I have no patience. Like if it's not there today, I'm going to go find it somewhere else.
0: No, yeah, that happens sometimes with Amazon. I don't know why. I don't Um, understand either. It's a distribution thing, but anyway. uh, Yes, I will go to talk shop and get it. Yeah, that sounds good. Lovely
1: to chat with you. Thank you. I appreciate it very much.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want more reality talk, please follow our social media, it's at reality talk podcast on Instagram, or you can tweet with me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Jackson Seth 35 And you can also let us know what you think by leaving a review. It helps so much. But again, thank you guys so so much for all of the love and support. I truly appreciate it. And I'll see you guys next week.